quite as mild this morning as what we have seen and did see through the weekend. And that's basically the trend over the next week. It does cool off the definitely more seasonable temps. We've been spoiled. Let's let's face it. We've been spoiled with the weather, but still, you know, daytime highs as we move through the week, minus 10 to minus 15, somewhere in there. So not terrible, not bitter cold that we saw about a month ago. Well, we were just talking on the roundtable of justice today about domestic conflict, domestic violence. We had a couple of, of great guests, one from the Regina Police Service, one from the uh, Provincial Association of Transition Houses, talking about all of the work that goes into investigating and helping people that find themselves in domestic conflict. And one of the things that we identified quite clearly is that there are in some parts of the province a real struggle for access to supports and services that can help people, not just with domestic conflict, but any types of social challenges that they might find that they're addressing. Well, recently, the government of Saskatchewan announced that they're providing the United Way Regina with over $630,000 to support 211 Saskatchewan and reconnect services that supports families and individuals impacted by interpersonal violence. It's a it's a great service, and here to talk a little bit more about this and why this investment is so important is United Way Regina 211 Saskatchewan Director Kristen Nelson. Kristen, thanks so much for taking the call today. Thank you very much for having me. So maybe let's start off with just a rundown on what is 211 Saskatchewan. Absolutely. So 211 Saskatchewan is a free confidential service. It's available 24-7, 365. And we're here to connect individuals to human and social services across our province. So it's accessible anywhere in Saskatchewan. And you can connect with us by phone, text, web chat, or by going to our website to do a search independently. And what we're here to do if you're, you're connecting with us through phone, text, or web chat, we've got caring, trained professionals. You'll connect with a real person that'll help you find the services that are most appropriate to your situation. So it, it's very conversational. Like I said, everything is completely confidential. It's free to access. What you'll do is have a conversation or do that search independently online and be able to find information to help you make a decision on what service is best for you. So those services range from mental health and addictions, learning and education, interpersonal violence, which I know we'll chat more about, um, income support, basic needs, housing, employment. It really runs a, a huge gamut of different types of services that we can help connect you to. You know, I remember back in my policing days getting a presentation from 211 Sask when it was just kind of getting stood up and people talking about, you know, rather than having a whole bunch of phone numbers for police officers in the back of your notebook that if the person needs to talk to someone about addictions, it's this number, mental health, it's this number. This is literally a one-stop shop that can help anyone in our province with almost any of those social challenges, isn't it? That is exactly right. So currently we have over 6,000 different programs listed across our province in our database that we can help connect you to. And, and when I talk about those listings, we include information, things like eligibility, if there are any fees, if it's an accessible location, hours of operation, so that people can really be well informed and make sure that they're accessing the service that works best for them. Mm-hmm. So recently there was a funding announcement by the government of Saskatchewan. This is pretty exciting. Let's talk about that. What is that going specifically to support? 
Absolutely. So the funding that, that was in the recent announcement is very much focused to, on interpersonal violence and really taking a, a preventative as well as supportive approach. So the, the first piece of the funding is around um, an accessible website that's geared towards people who have experienced or are maybe supporting someone who's experienced violence or abuse. And that website is at abuse.sk.211.ca. Much like our standard website, it's really all about helping people find information quickly and easily. So it's all categorized by different um, service areas. People can go on that site to either find a program or, or service in their community or nearby, or to find information on those different topics. They can also still, part of this funding also helps us support that piece where people can phone in or text or web chat to have that one-on-one -on -one connection if they're just wanting some extra support with what, what they're searching for. And reconnect is an exciting part of this work as well. Absolutely. So that's, that's our newest piece that we launched mid-November. And reconnect is really about providing non-judgmental assistance, again, completely confidential, um, but it, it's accessible again 24-7. People can phone or text 211 to get in touch with our Reconnect service. When they get in touch, they'll have a brief conversation with the, the folks that are answering the 211 calls. And then if that's the most appropriate avenue for them to receive support, they can be connected with one of the amazing family service counselors that we're working with who can provide up to a 30-minute session for brief intervention therapy to help address some of the immediate risks and challenges they might be facing. We're talking today with 211 Saskatchewan Director Kristen Nelson about some exciting work that they're doing and enhancing this 211 Saskatchewan, uh, this new platform, Reconnect. So one of the things that, Kristen, we often hear about and talk about is barriers to access service. We know that in rural and remote communities, it can be just the ability to get into a vehicle and drive to access those supports and services, to actually talk to someone. The fact that this allows it to happen online, you don't even need a phone. You can do it through, like you said, uh, web-based services as well. Is language something that is a problem, or have you got that base covered as well? Oh, I think we might have lost our guest. That, that happens every once in a while. We'll, uh, we'll work to try and uh, get Kristen back on the phone. But uh, I want to talk about some of the work that they've done to basically reduce barriers. This is, I think, the entire benefit of 211 Saskatchewan is that it is, without a doubt, an opportunity for people to just pick up the phone and get that access and get that help without having to worry about getting in a vehicle or going to and making an appointment. It is there uh, 24 seven for you to be able to talk. All right. We've got Kristen back on the line now. So what I was talking about is the, the work that you've done to reduce barriers, Kristen, and you've done that in, in terms of offering it all of the services in a variety of different languages. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So in addition to being offered across the province, one of the big accessibility pieces that's available through 211 generally and through the reconnect line specifically is that ability to offer the, the service in over 175 languages. That includes 17 Indigenous languages. So essentially the way that this works is if somebody calls 211 and they would like to have the conversation in another language, they just simply have to say that language. 
What we'll do then is loop in a third-party translator who abides by all the same confidentiality um, rules that, that apply to a regular call. So, so that's all maintained. And the conversation continues with that translator on the line. That is amazing. I, I, 175 languages. I can't even believe that we, we have that many in our province or that would be asked for. 17 Indigenous languages. Uh, that, to me, must cover a big part of what would normally be a barrier in this type of service. Absolutely, and it really gives people the opportunity to be able to communicate and reach out for help in the way that's most comfortable and, and accessible for them. We're talking today with 211 Saskatchewan Director Kristen Nelson. So, Kristen, how many people are using 211 Sask now? How popular has the service been? So, it's we've continued to see growth year after year. Um, particularly when we look at those online searches, we can really see how many individuals that that have come to 211 looking for support. So, just in in 2023. From January to December, we had over 230,000 unique visits to the 211 Saskatchewan website. That's, uh, that is amazing. And so uh, confidentiality is a, a very important part of this. Do you have a sense, do you track the types of calls? So is there one area in particular that you get calls on more regularly than others? So we, we really did see some uh, transition, of course, during the pandemic. We saw health-related calls really start to have a, an emergence that, that they hadn't necessarily had before. But very consistently, our top calls tend to be in the areas of mental health as well as basic needs. We do tend to see people very regularly looking to connect with counsellors, with addiction support, and, and oftentimes with housing or food security supports as well. Um, on the topic of, of intimate partner violence, so that has been another topic that we've tended to see a lot more growth in recently. So particularly over the, the past couple of years here that, that we've been working in this area in a very intentional way, we have seen the, the calls related to intimate partner violence start to increase as well. So um, good indicator that people are looking for support and, and they have somewhere to reach out that perhaps if they didn't know where to turn, which I know is a, a topic of conversation in the last hour here, um, 211 is really a place that, that is that correct front door. We can help people get to where they need to go when they don't know where to turn. Kristen, I, I can only imagine for some people, it's very tough to make that first call. That first time that you pick up the phone, you make a call and you say, I need help. I have a question related to whether it's addiction, mental health, uh, domestic situation. What is the, do you have any sense of the follow-up that happens? You, you make that initial first contact, then usually there's a connection with service and agency. Have you, even anecdotally, any idea how that follow-up has gone? Absolutely. So one of the things that, that we do offer, particularly if there's a caller who perhaps is unsure about connecting or maybe needing some extra support, um, we can offer follow-up calls as well. So what we do in those situations is, is check in with the caller and say, hey, do you maybe want me to give you a call back in a week? And we can see if you're needing any support, if you were able to connect, if you need some more information. So when that's accepted, that does give us the ability to check in and, and just make sure that if someone's needing that extra little, you know, boost of support to reach out and, and connect with that service provider to help them meet their needs, that they've got that from us as well. This has been a really good talk, Kristen. Before I let you go, uh, talking with 2-in-1 Saskatchewan Director Kristen Nelson, what's your vision for the future? Where do you hope that this goes? 
We would like to, as we have been, continue offering that support, making sure we're raising awareness so that people in our province know that 211 is here to help reach out and make those connections with them, um, regardless of what the challenges are they're facing, and really remove that stigma. I know that it was discussed before when we're looking at intimate partner violence that it's never the fault of the victim. What we want to do is make sure that people who are experiencing intimate partner violence and those that are at risk of perpetrating have a non-judgmental, safe place to reach out so that we can start to see those behaviors change, see healthy relationships, and ultimately create a stronger community. Kristen, this has been a great chat. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much. United Way Regina, 211 Saskatchewan Director Kristen Nelson talking about the great services they offer through 211 Sask, literally picking up your phone and dialing 211. That's how you can access them or access them through their website at 211 Saskatchewan as well. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Good morning and thanks so much for joining us. Monday morning, I'm Evan Bray, and we've got a lot of things that we've been talking about. Of course, the teachers are back at the bargaining table today. The province gave them a call last week and said, okay, we've got a renewed mandate. Let's go back to the table and let's talk. The challenge is the conversations that both sides have had in the media is we now know the new mandate mirrors what the MLA's got in terms of a cost of living increase, which likely won't be what the teachers want. I'm not convinced it's going to be enough, but I guess yet to be seen on that. But the other thing that we know is the STF has said that they need to see classroom complexity as part of the final contract. That's got to be part. If they're going to going to come to the table and agree to a contract. A negotiated settlement has to include something around addressing classroom complexity. The province has said they still believe that has no business being in a collective agreement with the Saskatchewan Teachers Federation. So as you and I talk about this right now, they are sitting at a table somewhere grossly disappointed in one another, perhaps, or Or maybe, maybe both sides will, from an interest-based position, understand what the other side is trying to achieve and find a way to come together and get a deal. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? We'll see. They've got today and tomorrow set aside for it, so we are monitoring this very closely. And, of course, as soon as we get an update, uh, we will be able to bring that to you. Okay, this is stupid. And, And I don't often say... Things are stupid. But have you seen this, Bill C-372? This is the NDP MP Charlie Angus bringing forward a fossil fuel advertising act, basically criminalizing any advertising that is done promoting oil and gas. Now, it drills down, but basically it's, it's, it's a bill that seeks to criminalize the promotion of fossil fuels And it goes as far as to prescribe jail time for Canadians who scientifically say true things like how burning natural gas is cleaner than burning coal. That's a thing, right? That is an actual, factual thing. We know natural gas is cleaner. And there's lots. Look at the changes they're trying to make to these home heating pumps in the Maritimes and places that have them because, of course, they burn heating fuel like diesel, which is dirtier than natural gas. So even if you're promoting that, even if you're trying to promote, you know, more environmentally friendly 
options in the oil and gas industry. If this bill by NDP MP Charlie Angus passes, you're a criminal. So oil and gas companies, you want to promote, you know, the work that you're doing right now, be aware Charlie's lurking in the bushes with handcuffs for you. If you want to post something on Facebook, yes, even on your own social media about oil and gas, even if you're saying something factual, if this passes, Charlie Angus is waiting to arrest you. If during the next Olympics you want to go to Esso, fill up with gas, and collect the collector cups that they often offer during the Olympics, nope. Larky, uh, Larky, Charlie's lurking in the bushes right now with handcuffs, wanting to take you to jail. I actually cannot believe. Now, in fairness, we we haven't even heard that the federal NDP are supporting this. I, I'm I'll be shocked if Jagmeet Singh and crew support this. But Charlie's off his rocker. Conservative MP Andrew Shear, I'm guessing he agrees with me. We've got him scheduled to join me tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. So we will be digging into this. I've uh, I've had a few texts about this in the last couple of days. Absolutely crazy to me. That basically, what he's trying to do here is the same thing that they did uh, back in 1997 with the Tobacco Act, when they put you know some real severe limits on cigarette advertising, basically. Tobacco advertising, they did that in 97. He's saying that's what he's trying to do because he's saying it's as harmful and killing people just like tobacco. I would say there's a little bit of a difference between smoking tobacco and heating your home. I'm, I'm, I feel like, and I feel like I've got a few people with me on that. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but tomorrow Andrew Shear will join me and we will talk about this. We've got him scheduled for nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So that's. That's a good chat. Well, we had so many people weighing in on the conversation this morning. Early on this morning, we talked about should cell phones be banned in classrooms? We're going to revive that conversation for the next little bit. I've got some texts that I didn't get to. We've even got some callers that were willing to call back and weigh in on this conversation. I say, yeah, let's ban them. Ban cell phones from the classrooms. Let the kids have them before and after school and even at lunchtime. Fair enough but not during class time. What do you say? Your thoughts and calls next right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good talk this morning about cell phones in schools. And I mean, we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about just the complexity that comes with classrooms, creating an environment that's conducive to learning. And sometimes there's work that can be done in the classroom by teacher's assistants and other educational assistants that can help out. Sometimes the teachers themselves can can really help out. But other times, the kids and their actions can make a difference. And that's where we're at on this whole cell phone discussion. We had a very good conversation this morning with a lady by the name of Corrine Payne, who is the Director General of one of the largest parents groups for public schools in the province of Quebec. She works with over a million parents in the province, and they basically talk about things that can be done to enhance the learning experience for kids in schools. And as a result, this topic is a big one. As of January 1st, so just coming back after the Christmas break, all of Quebec has gone to a ban when it comes to cell phones in classrooms. And we're wanting to continue that conversation. one 332 8255 Should cell phones be banned from Saskatchewan classrooms is the question we're asking. Ian is on the line. What do you thought on this, Ian? Well, I, um, 
I actually support that move. However, I, however, I have a question for you sure. that you might be able to answer from your your uh, previous career. I was under the impression, and maybe it's in the United States because of shootings, that te- a teacher or a school division uh, tried to take away phones in schools, and there was a court challenge that it was a safety issue for the kids not to have their phones with them because of the shootings. Is that do you? So, so I do remember a couple of conversations about that happening. It was a U.S. conversation. Um, sadly, that conversation has happened in Canada as well. There, there's no law that says that. And, and I think it's safe to say, I mean, most teachers likely have cell phones with them. And I think what we're trying to get at here is if the cell phones are in the classroom, but they're not you know, in the kid's hand. So a lot of classrooms, even now, they have kind of, you know, I would call them unofficial cell phone bands. So the teacher has a pocket in the front of the room where kids can put their cell phone in when they come into class. They have it on silent. If they need it during the class for maybe an educational purpose or, you know, an emergency crops up that they need their phone, absolutely, the teacher can make the exception. But generally speaking, the the theory is, the cell phones are off to the side and not in their hands, or maybe they're in their lockers, and you've got the full undivided attention of the kids focusing forward in the room. I'm 100% in favor of everything you just said mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, not every parent is, Ian. That's the challenge. Well, yeah. You know, like, I, I realize if the phone is, if the phones are all off, then somebody with an emergency can't t- contact the kids. But you know, they can still contact the school, right? You're still going to be able to get through to the school. No different when you and I were kids. If mom and dad needed to get a hold of us, they could get us. They got the secretary, exactly. That's true. Well, appreciate you calling in, Ian. one 332 Lots of people calling in that are supportive, but not everybody is supportive. And I want to go to Eden now in Regina. Thanks for calling in. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? Good day, Mr. Gray. How's your radio I'm, show going? I'm good. Uh, what's your thought? You're you're not saying the ban is the way to go, are you? No, I'm saying I'm for these kids having access to their phones 24-7 and as much as possible. It's like with the way technology is going and the way the world is, we can't have our kids held behind by not having access to these resources. Anything they want to look up or dream on a school resource project, they can look up at their fingertips. So here's the right? question is if teachers find a way, so there's going to be some classes where you don't need your cell phone to look up whatever it is that's being taught, but sometimes you do. And and many times the schools would have technology that would be available because not all kids have cell phones. Most do, but not all. And so, you know, are you okay with the, with kind of the metered use of this where the teachers get to decide? Is that where you're going? No, no, because who's going to police this? The teachers already have enough on their plate, let alone deal with another situation having to police when or not when they can't use their cell phones. Well, it's thanks. It's a non type of thing, you know, because like as soon as you start putting more work on these teachers, next thing you know, they're going to be on strike full time. Well, so it's it's about the balance in the conversation, and I appreciate uh, you weighing in and providing a different side to this. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're asking the question: Should cell phones be banned from Saskatchewan classrooms? Tom in Saskatoon, what's your thought? Hi, I'm truly against the idea of freedom with cell phones in the classroom as a, 
as a teacher, a retired teacher and as a substitute teacher, I believe in what I've witnessed personally on a consistent basis is the expectation that students put their cell phones away and they may access their cell phones when they're busy working on assignments that are related to the topic at hand. And, and that's all well and good, and, and I think that encourages kind of a compromise, I guess you could say. Their job is to be in the classroom focused on the task at hand, not checking uh, all their emails and all their posts on social media, etc. I think I think that's a that's a good way to do it, and and the fact that as a teacher, Tom, you when you were teaching, and a lot of teachers now, they lean into that. They basically have said, you know, they've learned by trial and error that this is the way to go. I got a text here from Melissa in Saskatoon who said, after a, a lot of thought and debate, I instituted a full cell phone ban in my high school class in Saskatoon this semester. It's been absolutely glorious. And I will never go back. So there you go. Much like what Tom was talking about is it teachers, even though we don't officially have a ban in classrooms in the province, lots of schools do it. I talked about the Martinsville Venture Heights Elementary School that have done this. There's schools in Saskatoon that have leaned into this. There's schools in Regina, that, uh, lots of different communities. And I think even teacher by teacher, this is, this is part of it. Rand in Craven texted in. Said, I've been working very diligently in the schools to create some separation between kids and phones. We had done a couple of experiments in classes to see how many notifications kids were getting. It was consistently, consistently above 300 notifications in 40 minutes. So that's, that was 25 kids they did the experiment with. 40 minutes, the length of a pretty average high school class in 40 minutes. It was consistently over 300 notifications 25 kids were getting in the class. Oh, my gosh. So if there is uh, a phone in the pocket that the notification causes a distraction, even if it's on vibrate, like how much attention is that that child, that student paying in class? Wow. Yeah. Attention span. Reduced capacity to be interested in other things. And we talked about this this morning. I mean, we see it in our homes Jody and I will be talking. If one of us is on our phone, I guarantee you we're not paying full attention to what's being said. I get accused of not paying attention at the best of times, let alone when I'm on my phone. So, you know, this is the conversation we're having about kids in classrooms. Dave in Broadview is on the line. Dave, thanks for calling in. Our question we're asking people today, should cell phones be banned from Saskatchewan classrooms? What do you think? Oh, good morning, Evan. Yeah, well, I tell you what, everybody's pretty much stole my thunder. And hats off to Melissa that you were talking about, that the exercise that she put into place. I, I don't know, I've got a granddaughter that's in grade six, and what she's told us that goes on is just, and she's I mean, she's not an angel, but I mean, what she tells us that goes on in the classroom, is, and this is just small rural Saskatchewan where it goes on, so yeah, I I I, I kind of wish that grandparents could come parent-teacher interview. <laughs> Dave, that is a good idea. I just, <laughs> I've never thought of that before. But Dave, you've awakened a whole new possibility. Let's get grandparents in to parent-teacher interviews. I like it, Dave. Thanks. 
Thanks so much for calling in, David Broadview. So we're talking about cell phones, banning them from Saskatchewan classrooms, and uh, phone lines have literally been fairly consistent, I think with the exception of one person on the phone who said, no, it's a wrong idea to do. And a couple of texts saying, you know, technology has its place in schools. I don't think anyone disagrees with that. Technology, absolutely. We can't in this day and age think of a world without technology. But, you know, this morning I thought it was interesting. I mentioned I was talking with Corrine Payne, who is the director general for this big parents group, part of the public schools in the province of Quebec. And she basically talked about, you know, we have to be careful not only on on how we're dealing with phones in schools, but with the presence of artificial intelligence, that's something else we really have to focus on as well. You know, I'm just going to leave this for your thought. Um, we have all of the aspects of artificial intelligence that are coming, starting to creep in, and our children are ahead of us as most adults on that curve as well. And I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and I said, let's not let's ensure that with artificial intelligence, we don't make the mix same mistake we made with telephones, we, uh, with the cell phones. We let them creep in and creep in, and we didn't educate how to use it properly. And then we decide that we have to put in a ban, I hope, with artificial intelligence and all the chat GPTs of the world and everything that's available for our children. We teach them how to use those tools ethically because they're not going to go away. They're going to be there. Cell phones are going to be there forever. Um, you know, artificial intelligence, screen time, it's not going away. We need to educate. And those discussions can't just happen in school, but they have to happen between the children and their parents as well um, as to how to best use all of these tools that are available. And um, they're, they're here to stay and they're part of the future. You know, um, I remember when we had to use the dial-up telephone and dial-up uh, Wi-Fi. Things have changed and uh, they're going full speed ahead. That was Kareem Payne, Director General for this uh, FCPQ, basically it's a parent group in Quebec where they have banned cell phones. They started this January of 2024, so it's only been in effect for about a month and a half, but so far going fairly well. Still a few more texts I want to get to, and of course, if you have a call, if you want to chat about this, one 332 8255 Should cell phones be banned from Saskatchewan classrooms? More on this when we come back on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You saw a little bit of that lady last night if you were watching the Super Bowl. Taylor Swift was uh, flashed up on the screen a few times. In fact, we're going to talk a bit more about Super Bowl with Jamie Nye and the Riders coming up just after 12 o'clock. Right now, we're talking about cell phones in the, in the classroom. Should they be banned from Saskatchewan classrooms? And the conversation for many people is around teaching responsibility, teaching discipline, to our children, Stacy texted in and said, kids need to learn how and when to use cell phones because when they're out of school, these people are coming to your workplace. Wouldn't it be better if they knew what was acceptable? Responding to funny stuff isn't important or necessary, but maybe you need government services and you need to provide a text during work or you need to book an appointment. There's a line and kids need to know where it is before they get out in the real world. Joe texts in saying, it makes sense to me to put a limit on distractions in the classroom, just like we do with distracted driving. Or how about this text? An anonymous text because the person said, I can't say my name. I work for a school division. I would like to point out that I witness many recess noon hour supervisors on their phones as well when they should be supervising. So not just students that need to use cell phone etiquette. 
Just saying. Thanks for the texts of one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Jenny is on the line. Thanks for calling in, Jenny. Your thoughts. Do we need to look at a ban in our classrooms when it comes to cell phones? Well, maybe a temporary one because I would like to see curriculum brought in or what is presently being used changed. I think that uh, a lot of classrooms now have things called smart boards. And with the use of those smart boards, education can be presented to students at a very quick pace. So if they are distracted by anything in that classroom, they are losing what is being presented and the ability to learn. And I would like to see curriculum brought in quite early on in a young grade for cell phone etiquette and the safety of cell phones for students and children. And I'd like to be see it incorporated with computer science, with the smart boards, with artificial intelligence education, with good quality education and curriculum for this type of technology and for the speed that this kind of education is, is going to have, not yeah. just today, but in the future. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is a discussion that can happen and should happen at home as well as in the school as well. I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking about schools right now, but parents have a huge role to play even in how they reinforce what's being talked about at school. I've had a number of people text in this morning saying, as a teacher, I've implemented this in my classroom. If you as a parent will back up that teacher, will reinforce that, boy, it goes a long way anytime you can get that. So, you know, it's been interesting. I would say overwhelmingly this morning, we've heard people in favor of looking at a ban on cell phones. There's pros and cons. There's no doubt about it. I haven't been able to get to all of the calls, and so I do apologize for that. Uh, same with the text. Most people are saying, look, cell phones, if we allow them just open use in classrooms, they hurt the students' mental health. We know that. I mean, we're not going to ban them completely. They can still have them before and after school. But even during class, they reduce mental health. They reduce the ability to concentrate and listen. That's what Jenny was just talking about. Um, and at the end of the day, like like we said, they still have their phone. It's many times in the classroom. It's in a pocket in the front of the room. Should they need to access it absolutely for an emergency? Or maybe the teacher says, okay, I want everyone to grab their phones. We're going to do a little bit of tech work right now on whatever the topic is. The cons, people saying they don't want a cell phone ban because they want to be able to get a hold of their kids at any time. I had someone text in earlier this morning and say his wife was a teacher and a lady called her son in class one day to ask a question about a pair of jeans she wanted to buy him. You know, I would hope that that doesn't happen regularly, but it's it's part of the the conversation. It's been a good one. I appreciate everyone weighing in. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in and weigh in on cell phone bans. We're going to turn our attention back to the Super Bowl. Jamie Nye will be joining me just after lunch right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.